Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Sunday, September the 5th, 2021. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, now Amazon Music, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. Welcome to a September edition of the Talking Mets podcast, and I came to you middle of last week, and um, you know, it's funny, as I was, in a way, on that show, the last program we did, brokering somewhat of a of a peace between the players, the fans, and the media, uh, maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but, uh, you know, reaction was very strong about that show, and uh, not many people, I don't think anybody in the entire whether it be mainstream or independent media, took the stance that I did, 
where I, I basically said all three sides had accountability in some of the chaos that was going on uh, within the Mets universe. Now, f- think about this. This is what's, you know, we talk about the thumbs down, the players against the fans, the booing. I get into it with the fans on Twitter. In the midst of all this, we really didn't talk about it. Noah Syndergaard, who's had everything go wrong for him, gets COVID, which might end the fact that he's if he gets a couple outings this year out of the bullpen, that that'd be pretty unique that that could happen because it just every time the guy gets started, he gets a setback. Um, the, you know, you have the whole situation with the booing. We didn't even mention, and this is where it's, it's, they're still talking about it on uh, Zoom today. The, the media, that the Javi Baez loses a $200,000 earring running the bases. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That earring's out there in the field, and this might not be a popular opinion. One of the players of the Marlins stole that earring. No doubt in my mind. No doubt. Now, it'd, be, it'd take a lot of guts for uh, one of those groundskeepers to steal it. But think about it. You're a young player. You just got called up. You get the piece of jewelry. That's a nice payday. That was stolen by somebody on the Marlins. Mark my words. That's not a popular opinion. And then, uh, I mean, this is a serious thing. And this is this this has been the most bizarre season. The GM gets arrested for a DUI, leaving Cohen's charity event. Of course, all the speculation is, you know, let's stir the pot with Cohen in. You know, like as if he had to be a chaperone. Uh, you know, all the people that were at this event, he's got a chaperone, Zach Scott. In all seriousness... I hope Zach Scott gets help. Um, you know, clearly that's a bad decision. What drives me crazy is that out of all the things that have happened off the field with the Mets when it came to their front office personnel, this to me the DUI is the most serious. Like that is, you're putting people's lot. He's putting his life in danger. Of course, you're putting other innocent lives in danger. And people, you know, well, you know, this happens. I mean, this is such an indictment on society. I got to tell you. I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, okay, nobody really seems to be all that bothered. And uh, Scott is on administrative leave. He probably blew his shot at getting the GM job. All along, I had said Scott was a number two. He had to be thrust into the number one position after the Jared Porter situation. I think the front office has done really good work collaboratively with finding value acquisitions, especially during the replacement situation. They are clearly going for it, the Mets. They go out. You know, Brad Hand gets designated for assignment. There they are scooping him up. Heath Embry is is Hembry is getting designated for assignment. They're scooping him up. The Mets are trying to win. They're trying to win as many games as possible. They're not here worried about the, the marginal extra dollars these kind of players bring in. And, and I told you, that story that came out uh, about the Mets during the trade deadline where they almost made that historic trade is a good sign for the future. Now, the GMs, you know, you got to get him help, and, and that's part of the whole corporate uh, rigmarole that you can't just fire him. But I find it hard to believe that he'll be back. Whether he has a job with the Mets or not is a whole different thing. And, uh, you know, it never ends. The Mets blow a nine-run lead this week and win a ball game. Rojas is back in the frying pan with the fans for resting Lindor and Baez. It's like a story a day. But the Mets are interesting. You got to give them that. And I have been, I've been saying, I've been saying pretty much for the last you know couple of weeks, they're playing out the string. And when you're in the 500, you can't be considered in the race, no matter how close you are in terms of games. But you know, four games out in the lost column to the Braves, four games out in the lost column to the Padres. 
They are doing what they need to do against the Nats and the Marlins thus far. They could have easily run the table, a couple of tough one-run losses to the Nats. I mean, the problem is the Mets have to be perfect. And when you look at their schedule uh, going forward, they have really one road trip and a hard one in Boston and Milwaukee. But the rest of their games after this one game in Washington on Labor Day and then uh, the Miami series are at City Field where they've played really well. So they're going to make it interesting. All you can do as a fan is sit back and enjoy the Mets, enjoy this team. And what's so frustrating is just when you thought, and this has been the theme all season, just when you thought they were getting healthy, Brandon Nimmo goes out and pulls a hamstring. Almost the same exact scenario that happened right after the All-Star break. They were getting healthy, Lindor, Oblique. Lindor's coming back. They got Baez in the lineup. McCann goes down with a back issue. Not as much of an integral piece offensively, but you get my point. They've never been able to have the momentum of their actual envisioned lineup. And, you know, thank God for the backup guys like Pilar and VR. I mean, those signings. And if there's one example of, of why the, the Mets are going to be different going forward. And I think that is the key thing to walk away from this season. I don't care how many games they win the rest of the year, whether they sneak into a wild card, whether they win this crazy division, or whether they fade into the sunset. They are a different team because they have the cash flow to compete at a high level. The margin of error is much greater when you could go out and get a Brad Hand and a Heath Hembry. And when you could go out in the offseason and sign a Pilar and VR and, and sell them on coming to the team to be on the bench. And I think depending on how the new CBA goes, it might be harder with those guys because you know those kind of players might get actually bigger contracts with the potential of a new salary floor across the game. A different story for another day. But I think that there is, regardless of all the chaos, there are positives to be had. And for me, I'm looking at... Uh, Who's a keeper? And I'll tell you one thing, and I'm going to go back. I know everybody's mad again at Luis Rojas this weekend. He sat Baez and Lindor in the second game of the doubleheader after a grinded-out uh, situation in Game 1. Maybe if they had kept that lead at 9 nothing and had a blowout, he could have sat them the last couple of innings of that seven-inning game, and maybe he would have been able to play them, but you know what happened there. Uh, the Wild, uh, uh, you know, turned out to be a regular nine-inning affair. Luis Rojas is executing a team health philosophy. If you look at the way they manage the bullpen, they have steadfast rules about how doubleheaders are handled. They have steadfast rules about how many days in a row certain guys could go. And it's not just Lugo. You see Diaz, you see May. They are willing to try to use their B and C talent to win a game rather than push their A talent and burn them out and potentially not get the result they want and then compromise them going forward. I may not agree with it. I hear the fans, Lindor and Baez, you know, young guys, pennant race, got to play them every day. Mets do have this crazy schedule again where they have a couple of games, uh, obviously, with the doubleheader. I think it's 18 games in 16 days. They've had a lot of these stretches throughout the year. And maybe one of the reasons Lindor got hurt the first time is because during the replace the Mets situation, he had to play every day. And it's hard to criticize Rojas' decision when the same afternoon, Nimmo goes on the DL with another soft tissue issue, hamstring. They're probably their best all-around offensive run creator. It's a killer It's a killer injury. And all we could hope is that it's a 10-day injury. It's, he says it's mild, 
and then maybe the Mets could get him back for the last oh, 10 games of the regular season because you're going to miss him throughout the next, you know, this road trip. Now, maybe he could come back, uh, you know, after the Cardinals series. Maybe get him a little bit on the next homestand. But that's where you go. 63 players on the roster. Mets are four games out. Uh, after being in first place for 90 days and not the place that you want to be in. But guess what? It's a hell of a job by Luis Rojas. I'm sorry. Anybody who doesn't think Luis Rojas hasn't done a good job. 63 players. A team that largely has had to play, uh, uh, what was it? They're 28 and 27 coming into today, I believe. Or, you know, they played something like uh, 61 run games. I mean, that's a tremendous amount of one run games. Manage the bullpen well. It's a team on bullpen and defense, which has failed them in this national series. And they've had to rely more on offense, an offense that looks more like the offense we expected back in April. But I have to tell you, is I think Luis Rojas, he won't get any votes for manager of the year, but he deserves it. He has done an excellent job with this team. And whether the Mets go and get a president of baseball operations now, and he comes in and he purges the, the field staff and brings in his own people, I don't know. I hope Luis Rojas is the manager for a long time. Andy Martino of SNY has talked about that. And he came in under bad circumstances. He's been dealt nothing but adversity since he came in. Pandemic shortened season, ownership change, and now all the craziness of the injuries in the roster in 2021. I think he deserves a ton of credit. And uh, he may be a bit boring talking about baseball in the process, but that's what a baseball guy, a baseball manager does. He's not there to entertain you. Now, what I'm going to do today, Labor Day weekend, and I hope everybody's having a great Labor Day weekend. And I know that we have the feeling the summer coming to an end, right? Today was the first day of your New York, a little bit of rain. You felt that first twinge of fall. I'm doing my fantasy football draft, so football's right there in front of you. College football's already started. Uh, I decided to do uh, a prospect segment because I thought it'd be fun not knowing where this whole Mets thing is going. So earlier in the week, I had a chance to catch up with an old friend of the program, Keith Rad, play-by-play announcer, announcer for the Brooklyn Cyclones. Now, those of you who've been listening to the show for a couple of years know that Keith was on right after the Cyclones won the New York Penn League Championship back in 2019. Now he's had the privilege, and since then, he's had the privilege of watching live, in person, the top five Mets prospects, Matthew Allen, JT Ginn, Brett Beatty, Ronnie Mauricio gets overlooked, and of course, Francisco Alvarez, who is just matching the ball. Mets have a ton of talent that's come through Brooklyn in the last couple of seasons. It's not three seasons, it's two seasons, because... There wasn't a season. And now, uh, in 2020, there wasn't a season in 2020. High A affiliate now, great ballpark experience down in Coney Island. I haven't been there in a long time. Got to get a chance to get back to that. So, Keith Rattle will be joining me. Now, just keep in mind, I caught up with Keith earlier in the week on a day off when the Cyclones weren't playing. I believe it was Monday. So, some of the stats we cite maybe a few days off, as both Mauricio and Alvarez have been mashing since then. But, Great content, great conversation. You get a chance to learn a little bit about Alvarez and Beatty and the young pitchers. And I think, interestingly enough, Ronnie Mauricio, who gets overlooked because he plays a position, which is, let's face it, with Francisco Lindor, locked down for the next decade. So anyway, let's take a quick break. When I return, you'll hear Keith Rad, play-by-play announcer for the Cyclones, and I chat about... The Prospects in Brooklyn. Prospects grow in Brooklyn. That's the theme of the show. Let's talk with Keith right after this. 3-2. 
Alvarez rips this one deep into left field, way back, and gone. Attack by Alvi in the bottom of the sixth inning. His 19th home run of the year. RBI number 64 to lead the Mets minor leagues. A big guy comes through again, and it's 6-1 Cyclones. We're back, and I'm joined by Keith Ratt. He's the play-by-play broadcaster for the Brooklyn Cyclones. He also has his own uh, pretty cool podcast, Amazing Starts Here at Amazing Starts. And Keith, welcome to the show. Now, two years ago, the Cyclones won a championship. I have you on. We talk Brett Beatty. We talk Matt Allen, Edgardo Alfonso, Old Matt wins. And then all hell breaks loose. Uh, No minor league season. I mean, the Cyclones, the facility was still being used. And uh, it's good to have you back two years later. And I'll tell you what, I was looking at the top 30 prospect list. You're the best guy to talk to five. of That's top, depending on which list, the top five prospects you've seen in some capacity. So I don't want to hear anybody else say you've seen them up front in Brooklyn. Welcome back. Thanks for doing this. And uh, crazy times, huh? But cool stuff going on in Brooklyn. Yeah, it's good. It's good to see you, Mike. I'm a little, I'm a little scared to see what happens after this interview because, it, like you said, we, the world went down a handbasket last year. But we sure. definitely made up for it with, with uh, the move up to now high A. We're certainly in more of a conversation as far as uh, directly affecting the Mets with, with the future. And we've had, like you said, uh, some, some bashers this year. Uh, we, we lost Matt Allen to TJ right before the season, but to have Beatty, Alvarez, and Mauricio at one time, I'm writing that lineup in my book every single night you just kind of pinch yourself so it's been amazing as far as the talent is concerned the future maybe it won't be now or next year as far as these guys are concerned but maybe at the end of next year you'll start to see some of these names like an Alvarez Beatty Mauricio pop up uh playing for the Mets but been a great year so far the the results haven't been great but individual play has been terrific and that's interesting because it's high A now. Uh, well, no, it's a full season, not short season. Before we get into some of those names you brought up, what are some of the differences for you guys? I mean, anything different? I mean, obviously, it's it's still the Cyclones. It's still Brooklyn. It's still Coney Island. I know the world is reopening up. Uh, how have the crowds been? How has the atmosphere been? You know, has it been vintage Brooklyn now that, you know, to a most part uh, throughout the season, I think people are trying to, you know, get back to some sort of normal. Yeah, I mean, definitely it was, it was off to a slow start. We were at 20% capacity, and then we had to check uh, check vaccine cards, check masks. So it was a little bit difficult. You know, people were just – they had so many questions, I think, a lot of that hesitancy of not not wanting to worry about that. It was a little right. slow to come out. And even though we've opened up now full 100%, uh, it's still been a little bit slow because on our end, we, in the beginning, weren't allowed to be on the field. We couldn't be on the dugout. And to create that fan experience like we know and love, like you go to Brooklyn – uh, we didn't have that in the beginning, and uh, as far as our giveaways are concerned, we didn't know we were going to have a season until about three weeks before we got uh, the schedule, which was about four weeks before the season. So um, we, we've kind of put together our, our best foot forward as, as we hope. But you know, I, I travel with the team; the crowds are okay. Everybody's happy to be back, but everywhere we go, you know, you know, fans are coming out, but it's still not the same numbers that you see all across the, the minor leagues. But when you come to Coney Island, uh, right now we're still doing firework Fridays, which are put on by Coney Island at nine o'clock. So we may play, excuse me, at 10 o'clock. So we may start at seven o'clock and get into the eighth inning. And all of a sudden you start seeing a fireworks show going off as the game is going on. That is, that is probably the most vintage Brooklyn and vintage Coney Island thing you could probably see. Uh, and I love the opposing pitchers who like 
step off the mound or the opposing batters if they're up step out of the box it's like no 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 keep going we're we're, we're playing this game while the fireworks are going on so that's it's that's still, pretty it's still cool. a lot of fun that makes it feel uh, uh, a lot normal and i have to ask you this feltman's hot dog i know nathan's is there something to it am i throwing some i keep hearing about these feltman hot dogs of coney island do you know anything about this uh, I can't. I can't say that I do. Uh, oh, jeez! I, I was going to ask you. I've died. I said I hear about these hot dogs, Feltman's of Coney Island. And I thought maybe the Cyclones had something, but uh, that's more of a barstool thing, I think. So, uh, yeah, I guess so. And I, I don't think I'd be allowed to say that. It's it's Nathan's say we die kind that's of. That's not yeah. even a sponsor. So there you go. <laughs> um, the big name everybody's going to ask about Francisco Alvarez. Look, the guy, uh, you know, is having a tremendous year. Uh, it seems like there's a new highlight of a new home run. And what's impressive is that. You know, it's been a while since I've been in Brooklyn, but that's not a hitter's ballpark. That's a tough ballpark to get the ball out. You got a couple of guys, Mauricio, and when Beatty was there, making that very small, that ballpark, wind coming in from the, the ocean. Uh, talk about Alvarez. I mean, everybody's excited about him, and uh, you got a chance to see him up close. Yeah, I mean, we have this deepest center field in New York City. So we're 412 to dead center. That's deeper than Yankee Stadium and City. Uh, and the wind blowing in off right field makes it impossible for Beatty, who's a lefty, and Ronnie, who's a switch hitter, has a lot of power from that left side, made it impossible. But we've noticed, you asked about the biggest thing between short season and high is that these guys are, they're they're hitters now. They can actually have that grown strength. And Alvarez has strength, unlike I've ever seen. I've I've been at different levels, not just short season. I've been at full season A, double A. I've seen some guys with power. Alvarez for a 19 year old kid has some of the craziest natural power ever. Every single person in the building during BP, whether it's our team, whether it's the road team out there, stretching coaches, everybody stops during BP to watch this kid hit, not just because he's hitting balls 500 feet, but because of how hard he hits the ball. And he's hitting balls 109, 110 off the bat at 19 now. And he's still oh. so far away from the big leagues. Lord knows what it'll look like when he gets. That would up. be top five. I think that'd be top yeah. five if he was a big leaguer. That's like Pete Alonso, Vlad Guerrero yeah. Jr. type type velocity. I, I, I don't like to exaggerate, but it's it's pretty dumb crazy the type of attention this kid gets when he's just taking swings at five o'clock in the afternoon every single day. We had our biggest wow moment of the year, like you said, how deep our ballpark is. But our batter's eye is again four hundred twelve feet. Uh, away and he hit it to the right of the batter's eye like dead center I've, I've never seen that before I mean we've had uh rehabbers you know Robbie Cano Todd Frazier recently uh with us and they'll even in BP these guys have a tough time hitting it out and Alvarez hit one just to the right of the batter's eye so far a, a shot I'll I'll never forget but he's 19 and he's doing what he's doing uh he is now the number 10 prospect in all of minor league baseball as of two weeks ago so He's getting the attention now. He's certainly getting the attention now. Absolutely. And being that he's a catcher, one of the things we've seen this year, and the Mets have struggled with this for a long time, is that how important receiving is. Say what you want about the offensive production of a James McCann or even a Thomas Nito, but the work they've done with the staff, throwing runners out, managing the running game, uh, you know, there's a lot of things going on in, in the big, with the big league club that are not great right now, but pitching – and calling a game in defense has not been one of those. How's Alvarez, and I know he's very young, and, and from what I hear, he may need some work in that part of the game. Uh, a bat will always supersede everything, but let's remember, when you go behind the plate, you're expected to do more. How does he stack up on that side of the ball? Yeah, so I, I actually get my answer to this question a lot from pitchers, because they are usually actually a great gauge of 
the type of catcher that they like to work with. And they, they say that his receiving is receiving certainly needs a little bit of seasoning. And if that's the only part of his game that needs seasoning, he just needs reps back there. I mean, Yogi Berra was a horrendous catcher and then turned into a good one, like the next oh, off. Glover. So it's not, sure. it's not a, a huge ask for Alvarez to get better at, uh, He's throwing runners out now that we had, we had a, weir- a weird rule at high A to start. Pitchers had to completely disengage from the rubber before throwing over to the first base. So you had an extra step. Catches were every catcher was having a tough time throwing guys out at second. Halfway through the season, that rule changed. It went back to normal. And Alvarez's percentage has gone up by, I think, 10 or 12% since that point. So he's certainly throwing guys out. Just the receiving, I'm not going to say he's – He's not great at it because that's not fair to say, but he's he's 19 years old at it. I'll say it like that with with a lot of a lot of room to grow. But this kid, whether it's uh, the biggest thing I see with him is he is such a sponge. First of all, he's a tiger. He's a bulldog and the most aggressive you know, uh, competitor I've ever seen. But he is a sponge when it comes to learning the language. He wants to learn everything. He wants to work hard. All those cliches he will he literally uh, kind of fulfills. So. I don't see him, if he has a weakness, he knows about it. He is trying to fix it. Our catching coordinator, Bob Nadel, who's with us a lot, he is constantly working with, with Alvy on, uh, on everything. So receiving is probably the, the part of his game that he needs some work in, but 19 years old at receiving. Oh, we'll hey, take, you'll, 20, ta- you'll take that. You'll take uh, that. Baseball reference has him at 24% uh, caught stealing. That's not bad. That's not and bad that's, at and all. That's again, and that's again – with, you know, the, we're, with we're, the rule at the beginning of the year, right? Which sounds like about, the, the, yeah, the league was, was like, this ain't working. Let's, this is a carnival. You know, I'm all for action, but let's get real here. We don't want people. This is now a little league where people are going to get an automatic double every time they get on, on exactly. Base. He, he he's at about when that rule changed, he jumped out to in the short time after it was over. It was about thirty some odd percent, which is really really good. Yeah, and I think that's important. He's 19 years old, and you know, you see this because of the level that you're at, you know, I always go back to when Wilmer Flores was 16 years old and we were talking about him back when prospects were, you know, just starting to get national attention. And by the time he got called up and was somewhat of a disappointment, it seemed like he was with the organization forever. And then, uh, you know, 2015, he's in the world series and he was still a young player. And I think that's right now. And I think Mets prospects because of the market you see with Jared Kelnick, how, you know, he got all that exposure because of a trade Pete Crow Armstrong is probably going to have exposure. Is Alvarez now with being on the top 10 prospect list, is he recognizing the media crunch? Because it's going to get more and more. He's going to probably be the number one prospect going into next year. And the expectations are, well, he's going to be here. He's going to be here. Just because David Wright and Jose Reyes were 20 years old in the big leagues, that doesn't mean everybody will be. How's that component? Because I think that's a big part of prospects now, especially top 10. There's celebrities where yeah. know, 15 yeah. years ago, Forget about in the 90s when I was a kid. Nobody knew who the prospects were unless they smacked you in the face like Greg Jeffries or something like that. Yeah, he uh, that that part of the game with a lot of players is usually always mental. I mean, we're, we're talking about uh, the difficulty now with uh, Mets fans and booing and players and can they take sure. it and things like that. That's kind of the topic of the topic of the week, soup du jour. But with Alvarez, yep. his mental game, he has such an edge to him that it's the edge where – somebody's on a mission kind of thing. I, I've, I've met a lot of players and the ones who are kind of, you can tell that they're talking to you, but they've got other plan. They've got things going on that you know that they're ready for. They're not just kind of the, your run of the mill, nice person to talk to. He's got an edge to him 
that he feeds on that kind of stuff, but also when he, he doesn't like failure either. I've, another thing, Mike, he, he, his, his temper is low, but he's frustrated after he makes it out. He snapped a bat in half over his knee Bo after Jackson. a strikeout, which, wow. right, <laughs> like Bo Jackson was doing that jack at, you know, how old was he, 30? And Albie did that one night. Now he's, I, I use that as kind of his competitive fire that he doesn't like to, doesn't like to fail, but he's got such an edge to him that I don't think that the, the allure of, of trying to fill big shoes is, is really going to get to him. I think he loves it. He feeds off of it. I know the next guy is in Binghamton and we talked about him a couple of years ago. And I remember you talking about those big claw, bear claw hands with Brett Beatty. <laughs> I remember that comment. I did a little PSA promo of that, of that quote. I was like, that's a great quote, you know? And, uh, you know, he started off slow in Binghamton. He's picking it up a little bit. I feel out of the top five guys, I feel Beatty is the guy. And, and you know, I, I don't know if Vientos was in Brooklyn when you were there, but Vientos plays the same position. It'll be interesting how they play that. Mets might have a need at third base. Obviously, free agency and money is a big part of their repertoire now. But it'll be interesting if Beatty's close, where a guy I could see maybe next year making a push. Do you agree with that? Because they have a couple of guys that potentially – could be in the mix for the big league club. And out of the guys we're talking about, I think Beatty would be uh, the closest one there. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah. Yeah. I'd still like to start him next year, probably at double a again, but he can always make that quick, that quick leap. I mean, we saw Tyler McGill this year, make the, the leap from double all the way up. Uh, he is, you know, fans are always walking into our stadium, looking at Alvarez, Beatty and Riccio and wondering, you know, who's amazing now. Beatty, uh, Ronnie may have the biggest ceiling. Francisco may have the biggest ceiling. But Brett is real, kind of really good, really seasoned now. So he gives you that look like this kid is polished enough to get up there now. So he's always somebody that can hold his own. And I'm very eager to see him him do that. I, I, he's also another player that has that kind of edge that is, I mean, he was draft night. He's, at, uh, he's in Secaucus, you know, under the bright lights on TV. He's, and he's, and he's feasting on that, loving that, lo- loving uh, loving the spotlight. So with that challenge, I know he's, he's much better at third base than he was at the beginning of the year. And he's has one of the best, you know, plate awareness and plate discipline set of skills out there. Um, and right now, of the hitters we've seen, even with Alvarez, Beatty's one of the best natural hitters to all fields, slightly old school, still has a lot of power. Um, and yet to, yet to harness it right now. But I, I, st- I, He's, he's probably the closest of the three. And, of course, you're talking about uh, the top five. I know Vientos this year has come out of nowhere to hit 22 sure. home runs at this at this speech. And I think that Brett Beatty talk kind of got to Vientos a little bit. Like, I'm going to pick it up and show you what I got, which was awesome. I think the Mets love that, <laughs> by the sure. way. That Nothing wrong with competition at the minor league yeah. level. Even if it doesn't but mean I'm, they play for you, they'll get you somebody. That's for sure. Right. That's for so, sure. Uh, But but I, I love uh, – I love watching Beatty and there's guys that we've played uh, in the league. Other teams that come up to me and go, that guy is a, just a big leaguer. He's a big leaguer. Just the way he fouled, just the simple art of fouling off a pitch. You don't, you don't care about, but you're trying to stay in the at-bat. Just 10% swing on the outside corner, just foul it off. I'll get my pitch. He just does things differently in a, in a very professional way. And he, and to me, and I haven't watched him, but watching the numbers, remembering talking to you, I saw a guy in 2019 struck out a ton look like, you know, okay, he's going to hit buck 90, uh, you know, and, but, but he's improved so much and we don't know what went on in the alternate site last year. That's like that secret 
couple of videos made it out. I don't know if you had a chance. Did you have a chance to peek through the fence? You know, um, I'm curious without giving away the secret sauce. I mean, there had to be some good developmental competition that at least for a baby, uh, he soaked up in, in there because, um, I mean, this was, this was a tough situation for the ball club. You know, I think a lot of prospects are just getting themselves back on the radar because of n- not really having a real season in 2020. This year, what I've noticed from him is that we talked about his bear claw hands as a, as a 19 year old, two years ago. Uh, he is an adult now, like his physical nature. He was kind of like a big chunky kid. And I remember Edgardo Alfonso telling me, well, he's kind of got to be careful because he, he could kind of, Fonzie was being uh, colorful to say, he, you know, he can blow up. You, you got to be careful with a guy like that. He, he might just be a little bit of a heavier guy. And seeing him at the end of the alternate site and this year, he is sleek, slender, just yes. looks different. Uh, I didn't recognize is, him. I got to tell you, right. I, when I saw the video, I'm like, right. that's, that's Beatty. Cause I, I, I re- it's a good point. I, he looks like, I hate to say that cause it's a narrative. He looks like a big leaguer and people say, well, what do you mean? Just, just watch him. That's I why know, I said, I you know, could he be in a mix next year? I think that's unfair. You got to add, you know, developmental time, but, uh, but it's amazing. Here, here's the guy that I think gets forgotten. And I think the fan base at the very least is ready to all too quickly throw away because of Francisco Lindor is Ronnie Mauricio. And I'm looking at, and we're by the time of us having this conversation, he's actually got more home runs than Alvarez. And he's got a sweet swing. I've seen some of his swings on, on, uh, on video plays a position that's locked up for 10 years, whether we like it or not. So before we jettison Mauricio out of here for, you know, the next deadline deal, a talk about Ronnie Mauricio and B, you know, can he play another position? Uh, dare I say, is he going to be in two years, three years good enough where Lindor is going to have to learn how to play second base and be a $35 million a year second baseman. So uh, as of this recording, I think the fans will be ready to put Mauricio in over Lindor. I'd be careful there, but uh, we'll talk about Mauricio a little bit because he gets forgotten amazingly enough in an organization where, you know, maybe they don't have the best prospects up and down today, but certainly have a very heavy top five. Yeah, I think he, he gets forgotten because he was number one until Alvarez came out of absolutely nowhere two years ago and jumped into that that conversation. And Ronnie is, and I talked to the coaches about this, they think he has the highest ceiling of any prospect. His him at his that means him at his best at all of those great talents that he can harness can be better than anybody else that the Mets have. And I think that's fair to say. It's also big shoes to fill. We're seeing his power completely explode this year. He had played in the minors maybe three three years before this seven home runs this year at this recording 17 home runs he's working on his game little by little uh, it's funny the Mets this year they uh, at least at the minor league level they throw Beatty out in left field in one game and everyone's going hmm. and then they put Vientos out in the outfield in one game at double a and you're going hmm what are they uh, what are they up to but they never moved Ronnie and I think that's a vote of confidence that they want to have in him uh, because Ronnie is the type of player that needs that swagger, that love of the game in order to play well. And he is uh, someone that you want to be confident because when he's at most confident, he's kind of like a, a Lindor with just how loose he is or a Cano with he's, he's Robbie Cano at the plate as far as just his looseness. I mean, it's a, his lefty batting stance is identical to Robbie in my opinion, but he's just that loose player. So he needs that confidence. I don't know what their plan is for him. I don't think they need it right now because he's still, uh, he'll probably use a nice year at double a to continue to work the strike zone. He his on base percentage has been under 300 
the whole year. Uh, that is certainly a part of his game that needs work. But again, at his best, if he could harness everything, he could be a not just a big leaguer, but a, a big, big, big leaguer, if you catch my draft. Absolutely. And Keith Rad, play-by-play announcer for the Cyclones. I mean, what a interesting time. In about five years, I think, Keith, I'm going to call you up and say, look at those guys out on the City Field Diamond, that you were watching them. Now, I don't know if there'll be an opening in the booth, but you could keep plugging away, man. And and just remember, we had, when you're a big star, try to make some time for this show because, you know, we had you on when you are in, in, in low A. But uh, pitching is the name of the game. And you mentioned Tyler McGill. I don't know how much you saw him in the prior, prior years, but uh, regardless of, you know, where he winds up, he's going to be a solid big league pitcher somewhere in a rotation. And when Matthew Allen went out with Tommy John surgery, it, there was a little bit of a hit on the pitching side. You saw that this year with the Mets in their depth. But you have JT Ginn and and some other, you know, Jose Buto, who I've heard some good things about, maybe be more in the mix. Uh, talk a little bit about the pitching you've seen come through and, you know, the ceiling of some. And maybe are there guys that next year the Mets could be more inclined to not have to go out and plug uh, necessarily these starts with journeymen and maybe start to say, hey, I got a guy that maybe he's not a star, but similar to McGill could come in and contribute. Yeah, I think that's the that's the one thing in this organization that, from from the minor league perspective, it's certainly lacking uh, is is pitching depth. Um, as far as Matt Allen goes, I mean, he was one of the, you know, what a what a terrible loss at the beginning of the year. I mean, he's he gets TJ. Okay, this year's a wash. He'll be back next year, but he's he was he was so ready for this year to he he said dominate. So it's a shame to lose him. Um, you know, JT, we've seen a little bit of. He's coming off Tommy John. I mean, he had Tommy John, I believe, at the same time that Syndergaard did. And Syndergaard's kind of not even back yet. So we're, yep. what we're getting from JT Ginn right now, I don't know if we're looking at 100% Ginn, but he's he's pretty solid. He still has a long way to go. Um, Josh Walker is a name that he's, he, was our high, he was our opening day starter at high A. He has flown through the system up to AAA. I love Josh. He's one of the best guys I've ever met. But it's certainly a point of emphasis that you saw in this year's draft. I know that the rocker Kumar rocker thing didn't work out, but after Kumar, they went pitching college pitching heavy, which means they want guys who are ready, more ready than a high school pick that they're just kind of, you know, taking the chance on. So it's uh, I wish there were more people out there in the, in the system that could be the next guy. I know Buteau has been very impressive at double a, hopefully he can continue to harness that. Uh, Adam Aller has been terrific now up to triple a. So it's, it's still not a, we're not talking about a, a name like an Alvarez, a, a Beatty, a Mauricio, right. that number of, of, of depth. Not many clubs have that number of depth anyway. But, yeah, pitching still has to come around for this, this organization. And you got a chance to see Syndergaard a little bit throw uh, there. So he's going to be fastball changeup. It sounds like the velocity's there and, you know, short setback with COVID. Hopefully he'll be okay. Um, so, it's you know, you're still getting to see some of the big leaguers come through. That must be still fun for you guys to see them on rehab and things like that. Yeah, I mean, this, this, uh, that was kind of our best, those were our best days when we had a big star come down to, to play with us. But now that we're high A, those, we're kind of getting those best days all the time because, you know, these guys are so much closer to the big leagues than they were when we were short season. Uh, but yeah, as far as rehabbers are concerned this year, I mean, uh, when, when, when Thor was in the building, it's my favorite when a pitcher's in the building. We had uh, Cookie Carrasco hang out with us too. But when they're out at our park, if you've never been to our park before, for the fans listening, you go down the right field line, there's a ramp that takes you to the backyard and you can on that ramp, just look down over the bullpen. And so all these kids and fans are just hanging over the railing, looking down and watching a big leaguer 
10, 12, 20 feet away. That's, that's always one of my favorite things to see when those guys come into town. Before I let you go, you know, I mentioned pitchers, hitters, whatever. Are there names we're not talking about? Because obviously there's, you know, media prospects. And then there's guys that if you're a, a minor league guy like you or a scout or a real junkie that's into this stuff, for lack of a better word, you're like, <laughs> that's not that like, no one's talking about this guy. There's always guys like that. Maybe McGill is a good one. I mean, Tyler McGill, I could I wouldn't know him if I fell on him in spring training. That's only a couple of months ago. <laughs> And we do this silly show, and in the winter we talk about, you know, signing this guy and this veteran. Tyler McGill's name never came up. And then one day you look up, he's striking out, you know, you know, 15 batters per nine. You're like, whoa, that's got to be, you know, minor league. And then it's like, okay, he's here, and now he's somewhat established. Give me some names that you see. Maybe they're not big league ready, but are there names we're missing that maybe if the fans want to, you know, go online or go to the ballpark, maybe take a look at before the season's over? Yeah, I remember uh... – Tyler was with us in 18 out of, out of Arizona. And he was just the, just a big quiet kid. And he never really said much, but uh, happy for him. Now he he's certainly come on the scene. Uh, as far as uh, pitching, pitching depth, maybe um, our guy that we've had this year, Bryce Montez de Oca, who is about, he's LeBron James with, uh, with a hat on and a glove, six, eight, two sixty five. Wow. He throws 102 miles an hour. He threw 102 multiple times. The other night, he was drafted in 2018 out of Missouri, hurt in 18, hurt in 19, hurt in 20, made his pro debut this year, throwing 102. He's worked. He's just grabbed a slider. He was having some trouble with walks, but it's his first year in forever. 102, Mike. I'm not like every wow. night. It's unbelievable. Even if that's uh, a hot so gun, you're still looking at 9,900, even if it's a hot gun. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, he's probably a name that I would I would say look out for. He could definitely crack crack the top thirty. People are going to look at his walk rate and say what's going on. But uh, it's his first year back. I'd imagine there's some things to work on. And uh, Eric Orsi has been a really nice surprise. He started with us. He was drafted last year out of New Orleans. Uh, he's that uh, he's another great kid. Um, I know when he was drafted, the story of him surviving testicular cancer and getting through that that was kind of a a great story that he told. Um, he's one, he's one of those kids you want to talk about Alvarez just has an edge, uh, to him as far as wanting the next thing. He's up to triple a now. He started with us at high a, uh, throwing about 94, 95, uh, maybe a bullpen arm for next year. Maybe exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So he's, he's another guy. And then this Carlos Rincon dude that they got from the Dodgers for Billy McKinney. That was a great move. I mean, this guy is, this guy's mashing at double a with, He's up there right with uh, Brett, uh, Brett Beatty and Mark Viento. So um, and Jake Mangum's having a great year. There's uh, there's a lot of guys that have played themselves into the conversation. So there's there's uh, there's always good, those those McGill S players. Yeah, you got a good coaching staff. I'd be remiss I, I, before we wrap up here. Uh, Ed Blankmeyer had a chance to interview him many years ago when he was with St. John's. Uh, well respected local coach Mariano Duncan. Guys, you know Reds, Yankees. I know Yankee, but. Interesting career, Royce Ring, who had a brief cup of coffee, but was traded for Robbie Alomar. Uh, you've got an interesting coaching staff. I know that Fonzie, and, and there was a lot of emotion there, and he did a great job. Talk about the coaching staff. You know, there's, there's some good, interesting new faces in the organization there. Yeah, Ed Blankmeyer is a terrific manager. We, we love having him. He's, uh, he's the type of guy who's just incredibly organized, but also incredibly fun and loose. And uh, comes to the ballpark every day. We always joke that it's his favorite place on planet Earth. If he could, uh, if he's 
not playing golf. He's, he's, uh, he's standing in some third base coaching box somewhere in the country. He just loves this. Right. Loves it so much. I really enjoy him because he's, I'm, I'm even going to guess his age. I think he's, you know, young sixties and he's still out there. Like he's 40. He's extremely knowledgeable about the game. He's extremely well connected. He was at St. John's for 24 years. Uh, so just, just loves the game. Mariano Duncan is the same way. He's, He's usually walking onto the field with a speaker over one shoulder and a bat over the other going out there. Uh, he's, he is a ball of energy as well. He's, he's always keeping it loose for, for guys. Like I remember taking grounders during BP, Brett Beatty, Ronnie Mauricio, always making sure that they, they did everything the right way. And uh, Royce ring, one of my favorites. We've had him in 2018. He's back in 2021 um, doing a great job with, with the staff that we have this year. And then Nick Jackson, who's kind of new to the organization as a hitting coach, uh, the, the Mets have gone extremely analytical Analytical when it comes to this year. They've hired a ton of people. I think Steve Cohen, uh, we have a, we have a vice president, Steve Cohen, but Uncle Steve yes, Cohen, the, Uncle the Steve, that's numero right. uno, he's, uh, I, he said he wants to have the best analytics team in baseball. And so we're seeing that trickle down. And, and Nick used to be a scout with the Cubs, and now he's uh, now a hitting coach in his first year with the Mets, uh, trying to implement some of those things that the analytics staff wants to do with the hitters. So. Uh, great staff, love love having them. It's been a, it's been a tough year. I mean, I think we're you know, twenty games under under five hundred in fifth place of five teams in our division. But um, they're working, they're working every day, and uh, a great group. Well, you're not going to make a championship call this year, but we still love you. We'll have you back. Are we going to see you back in Brooklyn next year? I mean, that's my. I grew up in Bensoner, so Brooklyn's near and dear to my heart. I might be on Long Island now. We're going to see you back in Brooklyn ne- next year. And we'll be doing this again next year. Hopefully, you know, the world won't go upside down. And, you know, I'm telling you, in a couple of years, I'm going to be thinking of you when I'm at a, a Met game in City Field seeing some of these kids. So are we going to see you back in Brooklyn? You do Wagner too, right? Wagner basketball or Wa- yeah, Wagner basketball. So you've got a lot of things coming up on the Hopper. Let the listeners know a little bit about what you got coming up. Are we going to see me? Are we going to see you, Benson? Or so we haven't seen you come yeah. out. Come out <laughs> I, I have to get back year. out to the ballpark. You're right. <laughs> I don't know. I got too many people on Twitter angry at me. I got to stay away from the ballpark. I got to put like a little hat on. I know. Another day that ends in Y, social media. Uh, No, I I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Uh, We are, I've worked in many great places, but this is by far one of my favorites. To be owned by the team is uh, that we work for. There's such a family connection uh, that, that I'm, I'm certainly not going anywhere for a very long time. Um, but yeah, I'm getting I'm getting married in the off season finally Congrats. after uh, COVID pushed the wedding back. So we'll do that. We'll do the uh, honeymoon thing and then back at spring training and excited for 2022. But loving it. Don't think about Francisco Alvarez on the beach. All right, I got that whole. I got tell you <laughs> tell you you're a significant other. We got it for you. All right, you've been generous with your time. I'll let you get going. Thanks so much, Keith. Let's do this again, man. And anytime uh, you need something from us, please give us a call. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Right. Appreciate it, Keith Rad play-by-play announcer for the Brooklyn Cyclones at Keith Rad R-A-A-D on Twitter. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back with more right after this. The Talking Mets podcast is available on many outlets, but the most popular is Apple Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Silva, the host of the Talking Mets podcast, and I encourage you to leave a review about the program on Apple. Just rate it one to five stars, hopefully a five because why wouldn't you? And then if you have time, leave a review. It helps the podcast continue to grow and encourages others to take a listen. You can also email me at MikeSilva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Hope to hear from you soon. And enjoy the rest of the show. All 
All right, we're back. Final thoughts. Great segment by Keith Rad. Always enjoy talking to him. And, and think about how unique it will be for Keith. Uh, assuming that, and you got to think that there is a strong possibility those top five guys, all of them will reach the major leagues. That's the, it's a high probability, I think. And I know that's hard to say with prospects, but I think there's a very good probability that those five guys reach the big leagues. And at some point, if they are with the Mets, which is very well likely they won't all be, he he could look back and he look out at City Field and see these guys that were in Brooklyn just a couple of years ago. And I really think the one positive that came out of the realignment of the minor leagues for the Mets, now that they bought Syracuse, is that you have this New York State-centric system. You have Brooklyn. You have Binghamton. You have Syracuse. Obviously, you have the big league club. Granted, you have down in Florida uh, with St. Lucie, that's now low A, and spring training. But that's what spring training is for. You get away from the, the New York Northeast atmosphere to get away, to get yourself prepared, go on rehab assignments, uh, really get your feet wet before you get into the cauldron of New York and New York media and the whole New York experience. I, I just think it's great for the brand. And for many years after the Norfolk uh, Tides parted ways with the Mets. They bounced from New Orleans to Buffalo, Las Vegas, and nothing against those cities because I had uh, interactions with beat writers in those cities. I mean, think about it. There's no more beat writers for minor league teams. I mean, it's it's really play-by-play guys and guys that work for the organization that you got to re- reach out to. These newspapers, these publications in these towns, uh, they're not hiring anybody to cover the, the minor leagues. I mean, every level of the Mets organization at one point, maybe not the low A, but even the Cyclones would have someone from the Brooklyn Eagle or something covering them, and I'm not really sure that happens anymore with the state of what's going on in media and whatnot. But I think the Mets are really set up from a minor league perspective to have this really cool brand going up and down, and hopefully this show, as we continue to grow and, and be a part in our small, humble way of the Mets universe, will be able to bring you to those places and bring you those names and those voices and, and get you a feel of who these players are more than just the clip that you see on Twitter or the stats on MILB.com or maybe some prospect writer, which all due respect, just because you're a prospect writer doesn't mean you know anything more than a scout or me or you. I mean, I talk to plenty of people and they laugh at some of the things they read in some of these publications. And these are people that work for Major League Ball Club. So um, anyway, I digress. Uh, great segment, and I'm really excited to hear more about Francisco Alvarez and Brett Beatty and uh, Ronnie Mauricio, and it'll be interesting to see how this all transpires as we go into 2022 now that we've had a full minor league season. Losing that minor league season was a big blow to the Mets because it stunted the development of certain prospects. It gave you a, a feeling of, you know, what is this organization's depth you knew they had strong top fives who were, you know, few years away. But now everybody talks about tier two prospects and, and needing more depth and uh, and volume in trades. And, you know, you didn't know what the Mets have. So we'll see. He mentioned some names of guys who have made their way up that were in Brooklyn. Eric Orzi, uh, Jose Buto. Maybe these are names that will help the bullpen or the rotation as soon as next year. And And you know, after watching the 2021 Mets, I don't think 63 players is in the offering for every season going forward, but baseball teams, especially with the you know the extra guy during doubleheaders and options and the shuffling up and down, and the fact that you could maybe do some shuffling with the Mets now that their farm teams are within the state of New York and they don't have to go 
2,500, 3,000 miles away to to get here. Uh, I think you're going to see more fantasy baseball type roster transactions going forward. That's what the game has evolved into, where they try to squeeze every ounce of juice out of every asset in the organization, even if it means three appearances, two appearances, coming up for a doubleheader, what have you. That's the way the game is played now. What's next? Well, first, enjoy Labor Day. Uh, obviously, hope you guys are having a great weekend, enjoying yourselves, watching some baseball. And obviously, this is the not the true end of summer, but the historic or symbolic end of summer. We're heading into the fall. It is now meaningful games in September, which the Mets are part of. That means, uh, you know, fall-type activities. That means football. Like I said, I had my fantasy football draft over the last couple of days and uh, I'm sure some of you guys are doing that as well and whatnot. And then we have the 20-year next weekend anniversary of 9-11. And I know the Mets are going to be doing something. I know that Mike Piazza should be back in town uh, remembering that historic home run, obviously honoring those who lost their lives on 9-11 and the small part that baseball played in healing the city and the country. Small part, important in sense of, you know, maybe our little universe, but I know that there was, you know, bigger things going on in the world at that point. But it was nice that baseball could play a small, small part in moving people forward. So we're going to try to do something. Uh, not sure how I'm going to do it. I'm piecing together a couple of different ideas, but we'll do something here on this program and uh, it'll be tactful. It'll be fun and, and hopefully it'll be entertaining. And the real wild card here is can the Mets just slow down with the crazy stuff? Because the emergency podcast and you try to do these, you know, these shows is something great, you know, to do your little piece in, in remembering a, a great baseball moment with the Piazza 9-11 home run. And who the heck knows what's going to happen? Is someone going to lose a diamond earring? Is somebody going to get into a fight with the fans? Is there going to be an off the field controversy? I think that the Mets have had their fill. And I'm sure with Sandy Alderson now just taking the reins completely, he's going to say, hey, I- I'm going to let this thing stay stable until... Uh, the last day of the regular season or the last day of the postseason, when, regardless of how far the Mets go. But anyway, want to thank everybody for tuning in. Want to thank Keith Rad for joining us today. Great work, Keith, play-by-play announcer for the Brooklyn Cyclones. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. We are now on Amazon Music. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy your Labor Day. We'll be back with another show next week. Till then, take care, everybody.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.